Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his friends give you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides, in this episode of Major League Baseball Picks, along the prices that make for good bets. Using the predictive mathematical model I've built affectionately known as Sideline for games scheduled to be played on Monday, August 7th, 2023. Get you new here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's slash new for some explanations and community rules. And remember, if you're interested in projections and picks for every single game, Sign up on Dub Club. That link's in the show description. Cost under $1 per day. You will get first five money line, run line totals, numbers needed for A grade picks, all sorts of extra information about you if that's what you're looking for. Or if you just want the play of the day, nothing else, just the play of the day, check us out on blackbook.com. I've been using that a little bit before. Didn't really know how I wanted to utilize it. Kind of came the idea that I think that's a good spot for just the A plus play of the day. That link's in the show description as well. So you get a lot of different options if you're looking for some other great plays. Jake, this is where I usually talk about how sports are unpredictable. We don't talk about it. You know, we're talking about a typical game. We're talking about prices. Uh, I feel like, you know, we, we took the Mets on Friday. Cousin Jerry and I did. And he made the comment, and I was with him, that it wasn't like the most comfortable play. But the price offered a lot of value. Sure enough, that game was tied in the sixth inning. The wheels fell off for the Mets. That happens at sports, right? But the key was that we played it at like, I think it was almost plus 160. And, I, you know, I usually give this spiel about, you know, hard to foresee before it happens and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it's just the people in the comments and there's just like a bunch of people watching who understand this concept and just aren't saying anything or, or, or Jake, do you think I've done a, maybe I've done a bad job of, of portraying this concept that we're always looking at the price. We're always looking at there's a the price has a implies a probability to team wins and whether it's my model or someone else's identifying where there's value is what's good in the long run. Um, you know, when we talk about the Mets as terrible as they've been, and we had A-grade plays against the Mets on Saturday and Sunday, which was a lot of fun for them to lose those. But, you know, they're going to win another game this year, and there are prices where we should play the Mets, and there are prices where we shouldn't. And we faded them hard Saturday and Sunday, but but that doesn't mean that we should just always do something. We should always look at the price. And I feel like maybe I've done a bad job conveying that. I'm curious your take on this, Jake. No, I just think the Mets are just a fun team to hate on, especially – Right after the deadline, and they they gave up on the two pitchers and the GM talking about twenty twenty six. I mean, they just I think that that was just an unfortunate pick on the team, the right team. Like I think if that was if your A grade was on like the Royals or something, you would it wouldn't have been as crazy. Uh, but the comments are kind of funny because I'm being a Braves fan. I just love to hate on the Mets whenever I can, and so that was fun. Uh, and I, and who, I, who, I think you've done it. Doesn't. I mean, yeah. yeah, I, I feel like Mets fans love to hate on the Mets too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> yeah, you've done a great job explaining. It's just keep in mind that like when you're a, a smart better is going to look and play the the numbers, not the teams. Because when you get uh, caught chasing teams and this should happen, that should happen, kind of thing, you're, you're going to end up losing more than you're winning because there's a reason they still play the games. They're especially at the professional level. Those guys are going to win games. Those guys are going to show up, and yeah. it's it's just always backing the team or always fitting the team. There's not no way no way to win money. Absolutely, and I think that's a a great point. Um, 
you know that you're making and you say that really well uh you know we are looking at the number matters so much uh we aren't chasing uh you know what a team should or shouldn't do um i am curious to to, to see how the with, with this would i've got the same reaction had it been a different crappy team than the mets obviously i don't really know but there are going to be times um you know, where you want to take the bad team. We had an A grade play on the A's on Saturday and the A's of course, still as, as, as good as they've played lately, they haven't really played good. They they've played bad. It's just, they played better than historically awful. Um, and, and, and they won uh, on Saturday uh, for us at like about that same price that we backed the Mets on. So I'm curious how much of it was just the Mets. Uh, the Mets are going to win some other games. There are prices where they should be played. I think the main thing that I want to iterate is a part of why we do this show is education. And so some of you I'm preaching to the choir and you're like, yeah, I got it. You know, and, and you're here for the discussion you're here for, uh, you know, what we try to make this is it's just two guys talking about sports and you feel like you can join in the conversation, you know, which is hopefully entertaining for you. But a lot of this is just education, being smart. And that's what I want to try to help people understand that, that the proper way to view this is never this team can't win. This team shouldn't win. This team should win. But what's the probability they win and how does that relate to the price? And hopefully viewer, hopefully you're, you're grasping that and you're seeing that. And, and my proof of this, I'm not just saying something to say it. My proof of this is looking at season results and not individual games. Because if you, if you want to hate on the process that led us to picking the Mets uh, on Friday, you're hating on the exact same process that tells us when we should play big favorites. We've made a lot of money on big favorites and when we should pass on big favorites, which oh, if you just take big favorites overall, it's a losing proposition. It's hating on the same process that told us to take the A's on Saturday and a bunch of other underdogs or a bunch of teams that, you know, like we had the Mariners uh, yesterday as the A-plus play of the day at like, you know, right around even money, why that was a smart pick or why was it it was either Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. We had the Mariners like plus one twenty. Why were they a good pick at that at that price, right? So it's that same process, and so it's going to have some times where that process doesn't work for us. If you try to outsmart the process, um, just because a team should or shouldn't win, in my opinion, I don't think that's the way you should be doing it. I think if you're going to try to quote unquote outsmart the process, it's because you think the probability is different, and that's I think what I want to come back to. If you come back and say. Friday night specifically, the Mets, you didn't think that was a smart pick because you think the probability they win, I think I think my model said about 45%. If you said based off of XYZ, I think it's probably more like 40%. That makes that not a smart pick. That's the way you should be doing it. But every comment that's the Mets can't win, the Mets shouldn't win, the Mets are a bad pick or whatever. If it's just based off of this team's bad, well, a lot of bad teams win baseball games. Like you're not actually, that's not right. And again, I'm a professor. I, I want to educate, I want to help people grow and the key is if, if if you say it's not a good pick it should be because i think the probability wins a little bit less because i think your model's missing xyz that's fine we can disagree on that and there's you know that is what it is right um jake you have any, any last thing to add to that because i'm trying to it's, I think where we're trying to go with this is it's not about should or shouldn't win it's about i think the probability is a little bit different i think your model's missing something that's fair it's not going to be perfect it's, it's about the long run and it's going to miss a few and that's uh, hopefully how it's, how it's looked at. I feel like I'm rambling now. <laughs> no, I, I think also, I think your little system with the scaling the wagers is one of the smarter things to do in sports betting. And when you came up with that, was the first time I'd done that because I've been typically, my unit is my unit and I play that no matter what. But with the whole scaling thing, I think that, because it also limits your risk on an uncomfortable play like the Mets or even like, Back in the A's is, this year is always uncomfortable, but yeah, I mean, it's, oh yeah. it's worked out a few times. And so being able to not have as much on the line there is really makes it 
a lot a lot easier to swallow. Um, and then, I mean, when it loses, it's still not fun, but it's at least it's not as much as what it like used to be when I when I was betting my full unit, no matter what. Yeah, and that's actually another great point to add to it. And that's why I came up with that system because uh, I think when I first started doing this, right, and I've long talked about when I do this as myself personally, it's just very different than trying to figure out how to communicate this information. So it's been a lot of growth for me being like, how do I help other people rather than just helping myself? Because other people want to do it slightly different. And when I was first doing this, right, it was kind of that same, you know, the standard, right? You know, you bet one unit on an underdog, you bet to win one unit on a favorite, right? But I kind of noticed, I was like, man, we're really at risk, you know, higher risk exposure on certain games and the payouts are, and I was just, I didn't like it. So coming up with this where the, the risk plus unit uh, plus win adds to a certain unit does that for us. When we take underdogs, we don't risk as much. And so uh, the, like you said, the loss is a little bit less painful and the win, you still get the upside. So that's another, uh, another thing to consider is how you're scaling your wages on these, on these underdogs and these big favorites. Right. And that's why I like the system uh, that I've come up with. I'm not saying I invented it. I'm just saying it's the system that no. I, I endorse with the adding up the risk plus win to something. Uh, but just as a quick recap, uh, you know, for, for the viewer, I posted this on Twitter. Uh, in case you're not over there last week, a plus play of the day, five and two plus 4.4 units. It's a 28% ROI on the season play of the days uh, up 17 units. And that is a 6% ROI. Uh, got back on the right track with the A grade sides, 27, 16 and two last week. Uh, that's an 18% ROI on the A grade sides. Totals are first down week in over in four weeks. Uh, it dropped four units. So totals slightly down last week, but the uh, A grade sides made up for it. So a great week for us last week overall and again it's that process of identifying what the probability is where it's different where we can take advantage is that the books are often concerned with certain outcomes with how much money they've got liability different things like that so sometimes they have a line that they know isn't exactly what they would do but they have reasons for why they put it there we can sometimes take advantage of that sometimes they just don't like to come around to a team because they know certain people Certain you know big money groups might like or dislike a team. That's what happened with us with the Mariners last year. Starting to look like the Mariners again this year. Mariners in July and August have been pretty good to us, so uh, we're kind of back uh, back in love with the Mariners again. Uh, we talked about the Orioles or some teams, so it's just been constantly good to to back or fade because uh, the books have been slow to come around to the value. So we get a good week last week. Hopefully, we can keep it going again this week. But before we get to today's slate, some quick reminders: please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, you won't miss any of the MLB, college basketball, college football, or I mean, this fall NFL content this channel provides. We talked about that scaling. You can see exactly how I'm doing that uh, in the Google Sheet. Again, it's the risk plus win adds up to a certain number based off how confident you are in the pick. And again, the confidence level isn't about if that team wins. It's about uh, confidence that it's plus expected value. And that comes from the differential between the implied probability uh, that the books have and the probability you think that that team has of uh, winning that pick that Google Sheets also has uh, all sorts of interesting ratings uh, and metrics and stuff like that. That links in the show description as well. But with scaling with the picks, always, always take what you like and leave the rest. Jake, we have afternoon baseball on Monday. Uh, I don't really know why did we have this wraparound series, but I've long said there should always be a wraparound series. There should always be one that plays on Monday afternoon. Uh, and I've always said it should be the Sunday night. It's the easy one. Have, have a getaway day the next day. Um, that would be the, the ideal situation. Thankfully, we do have that with the Padres Dodgers. We're not going to cover that game. Uh, but if you want all the information about that, that is available on Dub Club. Again, that link is in the show description. So we're going to get right to 6.40 p.m. Eastern, Marlins at the Reds. 
Going to have Yuri Perez called back up uh, in his 11 outings earlier this season before getting sent down to AAA. Uh, 53 innings, 236 ERA. Underlying metrics say it should be a little bit higher than that. That's not really surprising. Most pitchers aren't good enough to have to hold that 236 ERA. Still an above-average pitcher, a good young pitcher, uh, who I think is legit. Maybe not quite, quite as good as Eddie but still a good pitcher. I believe he was sit down for innings management. It wasn't about his performance. It was about making sure that he's good to go towards the end of the season and the stretch run. Brandon Williamson for the Reds, the other end of that, not a very good pitcher. 68 innings this year, 485 ERA. And the underlying metrics suggest maybe it should be even a little bit higher than that. This is a decent starting pitcher mismatch with the relievers edge the Marlins. The Reds bullpen much improved with some of the deadline acquisitions they had, but uh, still around a league average pen. Marlins better than average offensively. I think the Marlins offense is a little bit better. This Reds offense, again, trending up as the season's gone on, but still, I think, a below average offense. This is all Marlins, in my opinion. Even though they're on the road, according to the model, they win 59% of the time, and this price should be minus 141. We locked this in yesterday at minus 120 as an A grade. So, again, the reason to be on Dub Club, I sent this out. I said, hey, y'all, we're going to talk about this game on the show. We're locking in minus 120 right here and right now. A grade price will be minus 122 or better. So it just snuck into an A grade. Current price as of this morning, and I don't know where it's going to go. I never do. It's minus 135, which would actually be a C-plus grade. So we saved ourselves 15 cents by having this um, – Last night, again, that's the benefit of signing up on Dub Club. It's under a dollar a month. You're going to save more than that in the prices if you sign up. So just hit, hit check that out. Uh, that link again in the show description. Uh, Jake, this is the fun part, right? Sometimes, you know, we save the night before. This is what we're locking in. This is what we're going to cover. Wake up, and we don't know what's going to happen with the number. In this case, uh, apparently people agree with us that Marlins minus 120 was a great pick. I still think Marlins minus 135 is a decent investment. It's just lost a lot of that value uh, because that implied probability has shifted as per our previous discussion. But I still think the Marlins are a good pick here. And as long as you're playing it here in this mid minus 130s, maybe up to minus 140, I wouldn't chase it to minus 150 because I think it's losing some of its value. But uh, Moreland's, I think, a pretty good uh, play here. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, I, th- I think it's all in the pitching. I, I think that's the big difference. I think the offenses, for the most part, are a wash. Brett's bullpen, I'm. I want to see a little bit more of them since the, with the acquisitions before I say that they're good. But uh, I think it's all about starting pitching. I think. There's a great shot that Williamson, like not even Marlins' offense isn't that great, but he gets run early uh, just because he's not not very good. And Perez looks like if he looks like he did earlier this year. I know the underlying metrics aren't saying it's going to hold, but man, he looked fantastic, and the Marlins look look really good with him going. I, I just listen, I said I might even play it at the 150 just because I, I think the Marlins are that much better with with the pitching matchup and everything going today. And you make a great point about the Reds bullpen. You know, they, they got an acquisition or two here at the, at the deadline and everyone's like, oh, the, the, the Reds screwed up their bullpen issues. And they promptly allowed like 900 runs in two games to the Cubs. So, uh, you know, I don't, we can't worry too much of that, right? I know that that happened. It's just two games. Sports are weird. Baseball specifically is weird, right? I do think the bullpen is better, but uh, you're right. It's, you know, and again, I have a player base model, so it, so it adjusts for all that, but there is some of that, some of the role stuff, sometimes that matters. Sometimes it doesn't, right? But sometimes it kind of does matter getting guys in the right spot. Uh, and then, of course, we're at that time of the year where the fatigue 
uh, effect comes in. We've, we've talked about it. Some teams like the Dodgers talk about a lot, Astros a little bit um, as well. They're the two that, that come to my mind where the starting pitchers have had so many issues with injuries that the bullpen's been fatigued and that kind of affects things. But we're starting to get to the point of the year where every bullpen is going to get fatigued independent of that. It's just that the Dodgers and Astros suffer from that earlier in the season than they should have because of their starting pitcher issues. But coming to August, uh, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, having to consider things like that. So you're right, the, the Reds bullpen, definitely a big question mark. Marlins bullpen is definitely uh, better than that. And of course, from the start with Yuri Perez, they'll be better. Even if Perez isn't as good as he looked early on and performs more like the underlying metrics, he's still a much better pitcher than Brandon Williamson. So it's a solid pick there. Total on this game um, is 10 and a half. Do have a total pick on it, but that's uh, exclusive for Dub Club today. We've, we've already talked a lot. We have a lot more to talk about, so I don't want to go into the total. Uh, but if you're interested in total play on this game, do have one for you on Dub Club. Uh, but we do have the pitcher prop of the day, and that's with Brandon Williamson under four and a half strikeouts. Uh, we've talked about Williamson, not a very good pitcher. We do have some juice on this prop, minus 161. Uh, this is only available at one of the big four uh, sports picks at this price, either four, I uh, believe it's at minus 180. It's the benefit of having an account at Outlier. Uh, bet. Again, you can sign up with the link in the show description for a seven day free trial and see this, but it tells you the price of each one. When you add to my picks here, it'll take you straight to that. A sports book the minus 160 i think is where there's some real value on this it's not that i, I wouldn't play it at minus 180 it's just lost a lot of its value uh at where the other books have it. minus 160 here the break-even probability for that is about 61 percent you can see on the season he's hit this 57 percent but the key is less about the overall season metrics and more about the fact that the marlins uh so far this season are sixth best in not striking out in the course of the season so uh he's hitting this number 57 percent of the time but against a team that doesn't strike out a lot uh, that probably is going to make it harder for him to hit this. And on top of that, of course, any time a pitcher's playing in the summer and Great American Ballpark, I believe that's what they're calling it these days. I never know what the name changes. Uh, but whatever that park's called could easily get run early just because the atmosphere, uh, a small ballpark, uh, you know, warm-ish night, uh, you know, wind blowing out like it normally does in the summer there could easily get run. There's a reason this total is 10 and a half. Anytime the total is 10 and a half, whether you like the over or under, there's a possibility the starting pitcher gets run early. So there's a few different ways we can win this. Even if he goes deep, the Marlins don't strike out a lot. And on top of that, he might not even go deep. Uh, you kind of need multiple ways to win if you're laying minus 160. Jake, what do you what do you think about this one? Yeah, like the Marlins offense, it's not great, but they don't strike out a lot. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons to back this play, along with the fact that Williams is not very good. So not very good pitcher with a off with an offense that doesn't strike out a lot. It typically gets run early because that's that ends up with a lot of either walks or base hits. And I, I just think that's the way this one goes. I don't see Williamson going long enough to get five, six strikeouts. Yeah, and and left-handed pitchers against for the Marlins. This is a uh, you know not as not a ton of data on this. So maybe again, I'm not treating this as gospel, but you will notice versus left-handed pitching this year, the Marlins uh, actually improved from sixth best to fifth best uh, here on strikeouts. So uh, again, you're talking about a situation where the team probably not going to strike out a ton here against Williamson, and you can see for the most part pretty average, right around five innings. But you have to imagine uh, you're a slightly more on the 
downside of that here in a situation with the total so high that it, it makes it unlikely he's able to get six. He's done it a couple of times here at home in the summer before, so it's not impossible he goes six. Uh, it, it's just if he goes only four or five, you have to like your chances, even if he only goes six, given that he's well under one strikeout per inning against a team that doesn't strike out. There's just a lot of ways to win this. So that's why it's juiced a little bit. I think it should be juiced higher. I think if at four and a half, I think it should be closer to, my, to minus 200, or I think the number should just be uh, five and a half, which would change, uh, you know, your cut point here because that that fifth strikeout is definitely on. Um, you know, or excuse me, not a five and a half, uh, a three and a half, uh, because that that fourth strikeout there could could easily swing things. Um, so just think the numbers a little bit, a little bit off on this one. So we're gonna take Williamson under four and a half strikeouts for a pitcher prop of the day. And again, if you want to see all of this information on Outlier dot bet uh, slash Professor. Uh, we'll get you that free seven-day trial. Uh, and again, if you're not playing daily fantasy, check out Thrive Fantasy. You get that instant first deposit match of $250 uh, if you use the promo code SIDES or that link's in the show description. So whether you're just looking for more player props to bet or daily fantasy, get a couple of great options for you. Again, links in the show description to get some freebies there, which will take us to our second game of the day, 7 to 5 p.m. Eastern Braves at the Pirates. Jake, uh, usually I let you I let you and Cousin Jared pick the games you're going to talk about. Uh, yesterday you were traveling, and so you just said, hey, pick the games. I said, hey, let's pick the Braves. You know enough about the Braves. You always can talk about them uh, as that's your team. What a massive starting pitcher mismatch this one is. Um, and this is, again, this is where I feel like if Cousin Jared was on the show, I feel like I know exactly what he would say, uh, which is, this is why we have a model because how else do you know how to bet this game? Because when it's around 50, 50, you can just say, you know, if you, if you hypothetically have a minus 105 on each side, you just ask yourself, who do you think is going to win? And you make the bet. Boom. It's simple. But when you get anything else, and especially the further away you get from 50, 50 odds, it's not as simple as who do you think is going to win? It's what probability they win. And that makes it a lot tougher to analyze. That's why we have the model because otherwise, how would you know how to handle Spencer Strider versus Oswaldo Bito? I don't have to say anything about these guys. You know, Strider's great. We've been preaching. I was preaching it at the beginning of last year. Like I was like, this kid's really good. Um, I was, you know, at the front of that bandwagon. Now, of course, everybody's on the bandwagon and knows he's great. He's clear, clear the second best pitcher in baseball, according to sideline now behind Jacob DeGrom, who won't pitch this year, may not even pitch next year. So Strider at this point got the, got the title for best pitcher uh, in baseball, and he's kind of running away with it. It was him and Fromber and a couple other guys early on, but Fromber fell back. Strider's just continuing to pitch really well. And he, get this, y'all, you know, the advanced metrics say he should be even better than that 360 ERA. So I think there's even more upside for him with what we've seen. Uh, Beto, not a good pitcher. I mean, there's really nothing more to say than that. The Braves bullpen, Pirates bullpen, not bad, especially with the fact they kept Bednar, but Braves bullpen also still good. Offensively, the Braves, uh, you know, obviously can put up a ton of runs in a hurry. Pirates offense still below average. Braves should win this game. We know that. That's not the question. The question is, what's a good price to play it at? According to Sideline, they win 75% of the time. The correct price should be minus 308. The current price I'm seeing is minus 275. That would get it to a B grade. On the run line, model says they win that 63% of the time. That the current price should be minus, the price should be Minus 173. I'm seeing minus 170. We lock this in at minus one at the implied price around 219. That got it to a B grade. Jake, this one's interesting because we were talking before a show, a lot of books and and, and not at, at bet online. 
where I lock in all of my picks. And again, that sign up link, if you want to play there, they have some great odds that's in the show description. They don't tend to do the minus two and a halfs. Um, a lot of your domestics will. They won't even offer the minus one and a half on their main page. You'll have to go to the alternate bets to find that. A lot of times they'll offer that two and a half as their main run line market. Uh, and this is one where that would be the case. I don't have that built into the model. I could do that. I just I haven't because you don't see it a ton, especially until you get to the end of the season. Uh, there's a lot of ways to play this. I think the Braves are slightly under priced uh, partially because I cannot believe I'm saying this. I think Strider is actually better than the market views him as. I think uh, he's, he's really, really good. I think everyone views him as a great pitcher, but again, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. And so there's a little bit of value on the Braves. The only question you have to ask yourself is how are you playing it uh, with the minus two and a half minus one and a half minus one? You got so many options, Jake. Well, where, where's your head on this one? Uh, I actually took the minus two and a half because I, I believe full-fledged Strider. Man, last year, every, like I know was in the Angels series, he reset his record for quickest of 200 strikeouts in the yeah. season. But everybody forgets the only reason he reset that is because he started out in the bullpen forever yeah. the first season. Yeah. And then they like started it and he went four and he did five. Like, so I had no doubt he was going to shatter that record when he got the start of full year. Yeah. He's just so dominant and – I think he gets hurt a little bit with the books and stuff because as hard as he throws everything, he sometimes helps the batter out. So they're hitting a harder throwing ball. He goes a little farther. Mm -hmm. uh, so he gives up some stuff that way, but I don't think the Pirates are the offense that can take advantage of him. I yeah. think he's going to dominate this. He'll go six, seven, eight, uh, something like that. And the Braves bullpen is strong. At sometimes they go weak, but, uh, Jimenez is on a run right now where he's doing very well. Uh, and then Iglesias is very good. Minter is great. I, I think just Braves are so much of a better team than the Pirates are right now, uh, and especially with the <laughs> the guy they got going today. I, this Braves offense is going to be mad about how the last game ended. I, I think they're, they're put up a funny number, and the Pirates are just uh, out for this one. Yeah, and you, we talk about that Braves bullpen. It, it's interesting of the disappointing bullpens, right? The Dodgers and Astros had the excuse of they just been overworked because all the starter injuries. The Braves bullpen we talked about, we don't really know why. I mean, the Braves have had some injuries with starting pitchers for sure, but it, they've actually had guys to come up and been decent to replace them, as opposed to the Astros who have been throwing Brandon Belak and uh, I mean, as good as as good as a guy like France has been, you know, Belak and then uh, Blanco. You know, they've, they've been throwing some pretty rough guys and they and and you know losing a guy like Verlander who was a constant it seemed like seven innings guy uh Javier not being as good this year going an extra inning less to start I mean that just that adds up for the Ashes Dodgers same way all those guys being hurt and they have it at the starters right so it's like that overuse of the Braves while the Braves have had some starting pitcher injuries I don't really think it's been an overuse factor they just haven't pitched well really from the start of the season it's been really surprising uh but they still are a good bullpen and that's the thing that I think it's tough uh it's it's got to be tough as a fan because I know it's tough as an Astros fan looking at it where you how do you view the fact that they aren't as good as you thought they would be but they're still good because you had a certain level of expectation and when when that isn't met you just view it as terrible and it's like well it's not terrible. It's just not what you hoped it would be. It's still decent, still good. It's just uh, you thought it would be the best bullpen in baseball or second best bullpen in baseball or whatever, and it turned out to be you know only top ten, right? Or you know barely top ten, maybe fringe top ten, you'd say, versus uh, what we thought it would be. But you know the benefit, of course, uh, in this game is that you've got such a good offense and you got Spencer Strider, the bullpen. It uh, doesn't have to be fantastic for us to get to the window. Jake, you played the minus two and a half. 
completely different situation with the odds than I play the minus one here. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this other than this is just, again, how I'm playing it according to sideline. And I'm not saying sideline is the gospel. I'm just saying you need to have some framework for this. The edge on the money line is better than the edge on the minus one and a half. I don't know if that's because, you know, the run line is a sexier play from an odds standpoint. So they just adjusted the odds a little bit and the money line just should be higher, but they can't go too high on it because they know that at some point people will take those big plus odds of the Pirates. I'm not really sure, but the edge on the money line is a little bit better. That's what makes this minus one appealing because I think it's the better expected value play. It's just the odds aren't sexy at all so however you want to play the Braves it's all about that risk reward and every time we have a big favorite we talk about that's how you have to think about it what what's your risk reward tolerance you have to understand you know it's not sexy but sometimes these plays at the minus you know 219 maybe we push but that push protection might be valuable here um, it may not be we may just be having steeper odds for the Braves win by five runs right which is very much on the table um, so it's just a, a personal decision at this point again according to silence a little bit better value at this minus one but again I don't blame you for playing the minus two and a half because these odds suck there's really no other way around it um, but again even though the Braves are big favorites and again we'll take underdogs we've taken the A's a lot this year right we've talked about that we took right we're not afraid to play underdogs right here but this is situation with the Pirates I think are just really outmatched there's a chance of rain in this game so that's something to keep an eye on as well as the weather up in Pittsburgh not going to be great uh so just something to keep an eye on there total in this game is eight and a half it's a nice night rain aside should have a nice little breeze not going to affect anything be blowing across but low 70 so other than the rain the temperature should feel relatively nice projection is 8.9 uh Jake would you go over eight and a half knowing that nine is one of the most common outcomes in sports. And that's about what the model says it should be. Yeah, I, I would. I, I trust the Braves to put up a decent amount of runs here to, they may cover it themselves. I think they're one of the offenses that have a good chance to do that. But and like I said, sometimes Strider gets burnt a little bit with uh, throwing the hundred plus mile an hour fastball. Sometimes that goes just a few feet farther and turns it out into a home run. And I think the Pirates will get a couple runs at least. So, uh, I think over nine, over eight and a half is a smart play. It could easily be a game. And again, the rain is just a big asterisk. You never really know how that's going to play out. But rain aside, which we can't exactly predict. Uh, but again, I try to retweet some good weather updates when they come across. So, uh, you know, Twitter's a great, or X, whatever, is a great resource for that, um, uh, for your uh, weather information kind of last minute, right? Uh, but it could easily be a game where the Braves are up, you know, six, nothing in the fifth inning and Strider decides, Hey, I want to try to save my pitch count. Just throw some fastballs, let them put it in play. And that leads to like a two run bomb or something right there. And the pirates can help to that total as well. Uh, if it starts being a runaway and then the pirates, if it's, if they're runaway, they're going to hold back their better relievers saying, Hey, let, we'll have a chance to win tomorrow. There's no point throwing them today. So it could be one of those runaway games. So again, I lean over. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm excited about it enough uh, to play it, but I think over smart pick, Jake, you agree with that as well, which takes us to our last game, 17 PM Eastern Royals at the Red Sox. Pretty nice night in Boston, similar conditions as Pittsburgh, less the rain, thankfully low seventies wind, nice little breeze, but blowing across. So not going to affect the hitting uh, slight chance of rain, but just way, way less than Pittsburgh, uh, obviously a very pitcher friendly ballpark. Cole Reagans versus Brian Bayo. Reagans has pitched a lot in the pen this year, uh, pitched a little bit as a starter since coming over to Kansas City, pitched a little bit as a starter last year in Texas. A uh, very mediocre prospect. The guy, I believe he's had Tommy John twice already. 
so I think he was more of a prospect before some of those injuries. Since then, uh, you know, Tommy John, first time, you can sometimes bounce back from. The second time does kind of seem to affect you a little bit, it seems like. Uh, and for him, you know, kind of losing some of that luster, that prospect status. Not a bad pitcher, but just not a good one either. Uh, Bayo's been pretty good to back for the most part this season. 379 ERA, definitely an above average pitcher. Uh, Red Sox bullpen's better. Red Sox offense is better. The Royals were the talk of the town. I think they ended up winning seven in a row. Uh, and then that kind of came crashing down here these last uh, couple of games for them. Uh, I don't know. It's what we always talk about, right? Bad teams win games. Bad teams get on hot streaks. And then bad teams are still bad teams. Uh, you know, in this case, uh, you know, it was a nice little stretch for the Royals. Maybe that said more about the Mets and uh, the Twins because the AL Central is just a mess. Uh, you know, playing on the road against Boston, not the biggest setup, best setup for them. We're on the Red Sox at minus one. Implied odds of this are minus 168. It's an A-grade price. It's a solid A-grade price. This is a massive edge on the Red Sox. According to sideline, they win this 77% of the time. Believe it or not, the Red Sox are more likely to win, according to the models, than the Braves are. Uh, part of that is the home road difference, right? That that does matter. Um, and the Royals, just again, not a good team. They're actually worse than the Pirates. The Pirates are at least not bad, right? Uh, they're not good, obviously, but they're not terrible. But the, the Royals, you know, are um, not as big of a starting pitcher mismatch, but uh, just big mismatches everywhere else, mainly because the Royals are just that weak. Um, correct price on this on the money line should be minus 331 for the Red Sox. So anything minus 275 or better is an A grade right now. You can still play it in the minus one uh, minus 190 on the money line. We're splitting it here between money line and run line. Uh, but no matter how you play this, it's a strong edge, whether it's Minus one and a half, minus one, money line. It doesn't really matter. All over the Red Sox here. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, like but anytime you can back Bayo, I think it's a very smart decision because he's a very good pitcher, very young, very good. And the Red, Red Sox offense, very good. Royals, just bad, bad team. Yeah. Uh, they got that seven in a row wins. <laughs> it's crazy, especially when you compare it to like the Yankees and a couple other teams haven't won more than five in a row at any point this year. And <laughs> the Royals are with seven. Uh, and I think that I think the Padres, I think the Padres won three in a row for the first time all season, like right before the All Star break. It was like, how is that? How does that happen? And then, like I said, the Royals just seven in a row. But I mean, they're still like potentially the worst team in baseball, but they had seven games in a row that no one could take away from them. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just, it's just wild. It's why baseball's fun. You get weird numbers and things like yeah. that. Uh, but so I just think the Red Sox, very good team. And like as, as good as the Royals got with those seven, I, I think there might be 14 that they lose. Cause that's just where the talent level, levels out on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you kind of saw it over the weekend. Again, we took the Phillies on Friday and that didn't work out as the Royals got that one. But then the Phillies won two out of three. Kind of what we expected on this one. And that's the thing with with baseball. That's why we always talk about probabilities, right? It's not that the Phillies were a lock to win any of those games this weekend. Uh, and it's not that the Red Sox are a lock to win this one. It's what's the probability they win. It's hard to assess how good – and this is what I'm always saying. You can't assess how good a model does on one game uh, because, especially talking about probability, the team's either going to win or lose. Unfortunately, we don't know which one it is. If we only knew winners, then we would just do that. But that's not possible. We know we're going to lose some, and that's what we have to figure out what the probability of winning and losing is and what the price is, et cetera, why that matters so much. You know, I'm probably preaching the choir at this point of the show, but um, it, just a reminder of why that is uh, so important here. And in this case, even though the Red Sox aren't a lock, I think the probability either win is very very high this minus one offers just that push protection but again if you just want to go run line i don't think it's crazy at all in this one uh it's just again we talked about you know, trying to find a, a system that works for you i like the minus ones personally um total in this game is 10 model projects 10.4 jake are you playing over 10 
or uh, is that just a little bit too high in this in in a park that you know can see some big crooked numbers, but can also see a bunch of zeros in a row? I mean, the runs just come in bunches there. It's almost like it's almost like Coors Light. Uh, no, no pun no. intended. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in that it's that you can just get runs in bunches, but then you can also just have you know a bunch of zeros in a row. There's just a lot of variability there. So that's why I've, I've seen that ten. I'm like, model would lean over, but I don't know if I want it or if I'd hold off for nine. Which of course nine's never going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm not going to play over on this one. I, I just don't trust the Royals to do enough to help, and I don't think Boston's offense is good enough to cover. A huge number here so i think that 10 that's just that's too much for me yeah I, i'm kind of with you i kind of would i played at nine because it could easily get to to that and it obviously gets it can get to any number right in that part and so i, I want to make sure I'm, trying, I'm conveying i don't want to convey we know nothing it's not that we know nothing on average we know there's more runs than not in that park it's just on any individual night that park you can see 16 runs or three and it's like you just never know uh you know weather-wise it's not like it's going to be a hot night if it's a hot night or, or a hot day of course especially if in a way then it's like you just kind of blind back the over because that ball can really fly uh out but uh, and i like tonight it's like i could easily see boston winning this game you know nine to three but i could also see it being like four to one and so uh i'm kind of like you i i'm not i'm loving this total. if you're gonna play the total i would i would go over i would not go under um the other thing with the royals and we talk about it kind of with the, with the braves the Royals bullpen is so bad that if this game isn't competitive get those weaker pitchers in there and uh, you know the runs can start coming really in bunches because the royals uh you know they've got a couple of decent arms left but they're not very good they traded away all the good arms had a couple of decent arms, but they got a bunch of arms that have no business being in the major leagues. That's what happens when your record is 20 and 912 or whatever their actual record is. Uh, <laughs> that's all we've got then for today, Jake. Any parting words for People's Mondays? No, I just love that there's day baseball, and that Dub Club is worth it. Like all the A plays alone paid for probably a full month and a half at least with the, just yeah. last week. So that's just yeah. very, very, very much worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't agree more with all the information you get there. It's worth it. Everybody that I know has been on the fence and has talked about uh, has, has enjoyed uh, their subscription. So again, if you're not with us there already, uh, check that out. Otherwise, that's all we've got for this episode of Picks with the Professor. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so you can show the sports betting content provided on this channel shop right into your feed. And we'll be back again tomorrow with more baseball betting content. But until then, as always, best of luck. And remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money. <laughs>